Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast. This is Tony Butler with host and friend Bob Bittner. Bob, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Tony. This morning, uh, a little bit of melancholy this morning. Yeah. Uh, lots going on in our, in our country, in the world, uh, but uh, we are recording this on uh, 9-11 and uh, Monday, and so, uh, you know, just we, as we were talking before we came on the show where we were and what we were doing 16 years ago, I think it's uh, just appropriate just to stop and, and remember and recognize uh, what happened 16 years ago. Yeah, definitely. I know um, last year we had an opportunity to go visit the, the memorial uh, in New York City, and it was really sobering. Uh, definitely uh, just hard to believe that that has happened. It, it really is, and uh, I think every every year that goes by, it still uh, it opens up uh, new wounds for people. Yeah. But some people aren't thinking about that this morning. We've had uh, several major events that have happened in our country over the last couple of weeks, and a lot of people are just trying to uh, escape danger today yeah. as a major uh, hurricane comes up through uh, Florida and into into Georgia. Yeah, our friends down in Florida in the southeast working through that as we speak. And then, of course, we saw folks in Texas, our friends trying to, um, you know, to, to now prepare to clean up and, yeah. and begin to rebuild what, um, what the storm has taken away. Yeah, and it, it just uh, two major, major storms in a very short period of time. And so we thought we would just talk a little bit. Some of this will be, uh, uh, you won't be able to implement now because it's past the time, but uh, how do you really get prepared for something catastrophic that would happen to your facility, uh, to your uh, places of work, and even your homes and so forth? How do, you, how do you get ready for something like that? And once it happens, how do you respond during it? And then what happens afterwards? And so I think it's just appropriate for us just to take a few minutes and, and uh, share some experiences uh, one of the things, Tony, I think that uh, still puzzles me, and I can understand why people want to be in the middle of it, but uh, why when uh, there's such a strong uh, push to evacuate, the people still don't evacuate when something happens? Yeah, I don't think they actually understand the true danger that exists. I mean, that's the only way I can, the only way I can understand it yeah. is why people wouldn't actually leave uh, and, and get to a safe place. Yeah, and I think a lot of times we think, well, you know, I'm tough. I can handle it. Right. Um, but there's it, maybe you are, and maybe you don't care what happens. But when you're putting other people at risk, I think that's uh, it's it's kind of a um, a selfish thing to do, and yeah. in, in not recognizing that you're also putting other people. But I think we, what we need to do today is just kind of reflect back a little bit, and let's start back before the, a storm, before an event happens, and it's not just a hurricane or uh, oftentimes an unexpected, very fast arising thing like a, uh, a tornado that will clear out a lot of space or even a fire or something in somebody's facility or some event that will happen. Uh, and I think one of the things that facility managers oftentimes, because it didn't happen to me, I don't really have to be prepared. Right. And so we get into that mentality a lot, right? Well, they they, uh, they think that it won't happen to them also, yeah. right? Yep. Um, and of course, with a hundred other things that are going on in their day to day, as we know, it seems to be one of the things that aren't. It's not a priority. There's no for, not a priority. There's no forecasted right. tornado, no forecasted hurricane today. Don't I'll put it off, it. right? Right. And uh, with all the things, but I I think one of the things that uh, we really want to stress to our facility managers out there today, particularly. 
uh, is being prepared ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, knowing uh, who's going to be in charge when something happens, having things, how are you going to document? I think one of the key things, and people are going to find this out uh, after they start to clear up uh, from these storms, all of the documentation that's going to be asked for from insurance companies, from FEMA, and so forth, to be able to do that. And so preparing ahead of time, how are you going to document? How are you going to, who's going to do it? Where's it going to be held? And, and uh, how are you going to uh, associate all those things? So being prepared ahead of time is extremely important. I think the other thing to mention too, you mentioned documentation of what happens once the, the event has taken place. Uh, but I know FEMA also looks for records of what had happened to the assets prior to the storm to see if, if we had actually maintained it. I know in my experience, I've talked to a lot of folks who've had to provide that documentation uh, in, uh, in an event of a disaster to FEMA. Yeah. And uh, not just because we provide the ideal solution, but uh, here at Dude Solutions, yeah. but you know, make sure that you know good records and the ability to get those at those records and uh, that those records are someplace that are safe during a storm. That's one of the advantages that we feel like a, a good cloud-based uh, application is important. But uh, on top of that, just being, you know that you're gonna document these things. I know when uh, I was with the school system here, if we knew that there was going to be an event, we actually would create an event number. Mm -hmm. So we would say, okay, this is event number 138, and it's a snowstorm, or it's a predicted uh, hurricane that's coming uh, on land. Or even after the fact, we would create, if it was something that it was an emergency that came up automatically, we would create an event code that said, everything that's done with this uh, event is recorded as this event. And so I think um, uh, we would just start off the work order, event number, right. whatever it was, we would broadcast that number out and say, everybody put this event number on your invoice, everybody put this event number on your work order so that we could easily sort and, and uh, recapture everything. Yeah, it's important to tie it back to, like you mentioned, an event. There's other ways to do it. But again, identifying that the work that is being done was due to the event that took place. And, you know, I think also there's there's resources when we talk about pre-planning, getting together and making sure things are ready ahead of time. There's, there's people that have vested interest in um, you being prepared, your insurance carrier, mm -hmm. uh, OSHA, uh, even FEMA. All of them have good training programs and have assistance and a lot of times at no cost to our owners that will come in and help and say, are you prepared? Are you ready? What's your documentation look like? What are the things that you need to collect? What's the information you need to have? So that when you're doing that, you haven't missed one piece of data that was important at the end. Right. And think about not being prepared and how it impacts the organization and the people that really that you know, fall under your responsibility, your umbrella of responsibility. Who's going to be impacted and, and how the organization going to be impacted? Exactly. And uh, things like, uh, um, you know, do you have fuel? Who's going to respond? How are you going to allow uh, volunteers to come in and support? All good plans to have in place ahead of time so that it's just not a disaster after the event. Establishing that protocol and I think who's in charge is key. Uh, because if no one knows, then no one ends up being in charge and it becomes a problem. And so if you have, uh, uh, they, they always say it's better to have only one disaster 
as opposed to two. One with the actual disaster, and then how do you how do you deal with this after it becomes a disaster all in itself? Yeah, just being prepared can can mitigate risk and can minimize the impact of that event. One of the things that I learned while preparing for this is that 40% of businesses that are affected by these major storms, particularly in tornadoes or hurricanes, uh, never reopen after that major event. Oh, wow. And so, you know, you're, there may be some vendors that you deal with that their business is just totally destroyed, uh, and what are you going to do? And so, you know, it, it's not and it's not a um, take lightly kind of situation, and people ought to invest and do mock runs, do some trials, go through some uh, mock disasters to make sure that you are ready, that everything is in place. And then once, once you make sure that you're prepared, prepared with contractors, prepared with, uh, with fuel, prepared with labor, uh, all those kinds of things, and that you've done drills on that and how are you going to document this, and then the event happens itself. And more than likely, when a major event happens, um, the facility managers probably are not the ones that are truly in charge. You know, if you have a fire, uh, it's going to be a fire uh, chief or a fire marshal that's going to be in charge. Uh, in the case of these um, major hurricanes that we've been experiencing here recently, uh, the federal government is there to support, but they're not in charge. It's the right. local and state officials that are in charge of the event and they can take charge and make calls and they have the authority to help out and have the responsibility, not just the, the authority, but the responsibility to make sure. So that's why you've seen uh, both in Texas and Florida, the strong presence of the governors in those states uh, in front of the microphone all the time. Who's in charge? What are they expecting? Here's how you get help. Here's where you need to go. Here's what you need to do. And so we need to acquiesce our responsibility uh, to them and allow the authorities and those that are very professional and have been trained and trained on a regular basis to respond in the immediate disaster. Yeah, I think it's important, um, as you mentioned, uh, knowing who's in charge, they're leading the way. Uh, we've elected these folks and they have experience or they have a lot, they have a whole team of people who are help, uh, helping them uh, drive the, the, the cleanup and what to do during these events. I know during the uh, um, events when I was with the school system, even the opening of the shelters, uh, we had several high schools that were shelters and we would open them uh, for different events. And it really, um, it really kind of is enlightening. You really do kind of take a back seat and you say, here's my facility, what do you need from me? And that's kind of the role that we would play of saying, here's the facility, what do you need us, how do you need us to support you? You know best, you know how to get all these things done. I'm not responsible for staffing or uh, even figuring out how to set these up, but here's here I am, how, do, how are you going to, uh, what do you need from me to do that? The other thing I think about too is we, we often um, talk about how facility directors, managers, those folks are not in the limelight, right? They're often, they go unseen and the work that they do is not often seen. So this is a time where when they're prepared, they're in the limelight, and if you're prepared, it definitely makes you look good. Um, you know, I think I just want to put that out there because it's important. Um, you know, often, again, folks don't know what we do or our role in the community, and it's huge, especially yep. in these events. Yep. And so uh, uh, 
just just understand that when something happens, uh, you're going to be asked for a lot of information. You're going to be asked maybe for drawings of uh, of facilities. What was there? How how does it respond? How does it act? How does it react to different things? I can't imagine in some of our hospitals where they've uh, had to evacuate uh, all the patients or move the patients from first and second floor above because there was a potential of water coming in there. I know a lot of our uh, senior living spaces evacuated and just the mass amount of work and effort that has to go on with so many people to make that happen. And I know our unsung heroes of the facilities department are right there working side by side with everybody trying to make sure that everything goes well and that they're trying to protect the facility as well. So, Bob, after the event, I know we talked about being prepared ahead of the event. Um, we've talked about now the event and leading up to it, what happens. Now, after the event, um, what are your thoughts there in terms of being prepared? How do, we, how do we execute on our plan and our protocol? What's next? Well, first of all, I think the very first thing is everybody wants to get in and figure out how bad things are. Mm-hmm. What is the condition? What am I looking at? But we cannot stress enough the safety of that first approach back to our facilities. Uh, a lot of times, uh, a lot of deaths and injuries come because people rush into something. There's more people killed after the storm than during the storm. And uh, just because of floods and because of things and open pot manholes and, and so forth, that people rush back in trying to, to respond too early. So again, safety first in everything that we do. We preach that on our normal day-to-day work, right? That's right, absolutely. And, and so much more critical when things are unstable and you're not sure what, what's going on. And so safety first. The other thing I think is extremely important is documenting stuff you're going to be asked to, uh, I know we want to do this in a hurry, I know we want to get things back up, but documenting things ahead of time so that uh, you have the documentation for your insurance carrier, you have documentation for FEMA reimbursements. And uh, one of the the responsibilities that we have as facility managers is to be able to recoup dollars when something like this happens. And so photographs, documented work orders, how many hours did people work? Uh, I know when uh, we had a tornado that came through Raleigh uh, a number of years ago and FEMA was reimbursing us, one of the things that we didn't know ahead of time was they were gonna reimburse us on the tonnage of debris that we removed. Mm -hmm. And we had truckloads, but we didn't have the the weight. And so we had to go back out and reweigh some trucks and figure out what it was and then they took that average and and applied it across the number of loads that we have but understanding that but really having all the things documented that's why being prepared ahead of time it it allows you during the event and after the event to be able to respond appropriately to be able to get the funds everybody's how are we going to pay for this Mm -hmm. and uh, that doesn't that doesn't set in until about a week afterwards but that conversation comes in and if you've missed a lot during that time, you don't want to have a second disaster trying to recreate all of that. Yeah, having the financial responsibility of, of that event on the organization, it's huge. It can be crippling. So definitely being prepared, having the right documentation, whether it's what we offer here at Dude Solutions or, or any provider. Exactly. The key is protect yourself and document what's happening. Photographs with timestamps are great. 
invoices that come in. You want to uh, instruct your contractors to make good documentation on your uh, on, on invoices that come in. And if you have volunteer laborers that come in, num- again, yeah. make sure that people are working safely, that they're qualified to be in a place and to help out. Keep keep records of those hours. Uh, a lot of times, FEMA will reimburse for volunteer hours because they know that that there was a cost of that. And so, uh, and, and in, in using volunteers, one of the things that I've always said is that people that will come in and volunteer their time to try to help you recoup, treat them with some respect. You know, make sure you've got water for them. Provide them with good gloves. Yeah. Uh, just some things that will help them and make it safer. Uh, and don't be afraid to say, hey, you really can't come on this site uh, this disaster area in flip-flops, right? And uh, go get some long pants and some heavy shoes on uh, before you can start. I'd love to have you work for me, but make sure that people have the right That goes back to on. safety, right? Exactly. And again, you know, we need to make sure everybody is prepared ahead of time. One of the things that uh, we can share with our listeners, you know, FEMA.gov is a great resource. There's a lot of great things there. OSHA.gov, another place for a lot of good. We think of them more around the, the workplace safety environment, but they've got lots of information, lots of training uh, stuff out there to help and prepare. And there's a text number. If you want to text 43362, that's 43362, type the word PREPARE in capital letters. That's the FEMA website, our, our text messaging system, and that hooks you in, and they'll text you when events are happening in your area. They'll text you uh, updates of things that are going on. Mm-hmm. So it's just another way to communicate. And another thing I think is is using technology. You know, today we've got so much technology that's available to us, and you have to be careful about how um, tech information is going to get out fast. Right. And so uh, be prepared that you're uh, using the right technology, not pushing too much stuff out, not pushing too much information out. It might cause you a bigger problem in the end. Absolutely. Saying the, uh, saying the right thing the wrong way can, can create some exactly. confusion and hurt the organization. Exactly. It could be true, <laughs> but at the right moment, it could be the wrong right. thing to say, right? So we, um, you know, we really, our hearts uh, go out to uh, the folks that are in these areas today in uh, Florida and in Texas. Uh, and I think people in Texas are probably feeling, uh, wait, we're, we're still reeling in uh, disaster here. But uh, it's understandably how much uh, attention is given to Florida as a huge, huge, huge storm. We just, our, our hearts and our prayers go out to our friends, our uh, relatives in those areas. But uh, we have a great passion about our facility managers yeah. and uh, we want to make sure that they're successful most of all, we want to make sure they're safe. Definitely. Stay safe. Protect yourself. And, and of course, by you doing that, you're protecting those that, that you're responsible for who come in contact with you. One of the other things I would just like to wrap up by saying is, you know, after a, a storm, after this, people want to give. People want to volunteer. What People want to make financial donations. Just, again, there's oppor- people that are taking uh, advantage of opportunities out there. Make sure you're not getting scammed. If you want to uh, donate, do it through uh, do it through your church, do it through an organization that you trust, the American Red Cross. Just so many different things, Salvation Army, all good organizations that uh, are giving, and those monies get to those people. Make sure you're doing it in a in a smart way that the the dollars that you might want to give and donate 
go to the cause and not to yeah. to some other uses that yeah. uh, you you weren't approved of. Pay attention, do your homework, and uh, that way you make sure the money goes where you where you intended for it to go. Stay safe, folks. Uh, we know that a lot of you are going to be probably listening to this well after the event, but stay safe and uh, Godspeed. So we'd love your feedback. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. You can subscribe at Stitcher or uh, Apple iTunes. You can find us, Operate Intelligently Podcast. You can email us at dspodcast at dudesolutions.com. Stay safe, folks.